0: Genesis chapter forty eight. We're coming at the end of this service. We'll, we'll um, have an opportunity to pray over and dedicate Zari Lewis, Levi's younger sister. Hallelujah! And um, we, we've—it's a—it's a privilege for us as a church to be a part of this. It's the reason why they do it as as part of a family, and and. Um, I want to share some things with you that will help lead us towards this, but also help to shape you and frame you the way you're looking at your life and your circumstances. And it's um, from Genesis chapter 48, and I'm going to just read it through, um, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Um, but to this, so this is the story of this is the story of Jacob. Abraham, who God gave the um, covenant blessing to, and said, "Through your seed, we're going to. Be, I'm going to bless the earth, and the, the nations are going to be blessed through your seed." Um, talking both about his natural seed, but also about the seed Jesus, the singular seed. It's it's a fascinating thing. It's it's really. It, I, I love the fact that this works. The um, Hebrew, Greek, and English all sort of have this same peculiarity, which works really well. Um, is seed singular or plural as a word just think about it for a moment is it a singular word or a plural yeah it's, but there is this plural word for seed which is seeds I have five seeds in my hand so there is a plural word but it's a really weird word that if you get more than five you get a whole lot it goes back to singular <laughs> like I'm planting the seed I got, I got a bag of seed I got five seeds but a bag of seed. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's like it's a really weird little little thing. Um, but it works really well because it's exactly what happened in the Hebrew, because God said, I'm gonna bless your seed. That could be individual seed, your lineage seed, or it could be all the all your heritage, you know, all your name. Um, but then Paul points out, he said, when God was actually making that proclamation and declaration, he was talking about a single seed, and the seed was actually Jesus many many generations later. He said it was actually, even though it was prophesied and declared and blessed over Abraham, it was actually speaking to the seed, which eventually was Jesus. And in that seed, we enter into the same blessings of Abraham. So it's just a really unusual thing because this word seed can be plural or singular. Paul points out. That even though it was understood to be plural, there was a particular seed. So Abraham is blessed with this seed. And then Abraham has a a son, Isaac. And that blessing also comes on Isaac to be a blessing to the nations. Then Isaac has um, two sons, Esau and Jacob. The older one should have got the inheritance. But Jacob tricked him and stood in line. It's a sermon all on its own. And he took and, and he became this um, channel of this seed. But he had to flee from his life because he was scared that Esau would kill him. And so he ran off and he tricked his dad. And then he went and got involved in his father-in-law who tricked him. How many know? How many can see a pattern there? <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you, sow, you sow seeds of um, trickery and guess what you reap? People trick you. And um, so he was tricked out of his wife. He, he thought he was marrying one. Sister, and got the other one. You can't if you don't know how that could work. You have to read it. It's in the Bible. And so he's like, "Well, I wanted this sister. And they, oh, I'm sorry. We accidentally gave you the older sister. Um, now you'll have to work for us for seven years. I think what was seven years, was it? To to earn the for the second sister. So he had to work another seven years. But while he was there, something was on him. Something was a blessing. There was a blessing on him of fruitfulness. Um, Jacob was the homeboy, he, 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 two brothers, Jacob and Esau, Jacob was the homeboy, you know, he, he was good around the tents and, and cooking food and stuff, but he was not good out in the farm and the fields, that was Esau, Esau was a man of the, the earth, he could make things grow, you know, he's the green thumb, how many here are green thumbs? One, the back, only one, two, two green thumbs, well, see, they're the people that you call upon if you need something to grow. All right, who has who has the opposite of a green thumb what is it a black thumb yeah okay yeah i have got a lot of hands there you know we we we've killed cactus in our family so you know we we literally it's pretty hard to kill a cactus but we did it um <laughs> yeah so we we but you know we we enjoy but we we're actually not too bad we've got we we've done a little bit better but it's not our sorry <laughs> we yeah that's yeah, probably cuz i do it <laughs> um we we grow good roses because my I got my brother-in-law and Richard who was here, both trained horticulturists. They I got them to come around and show me how to actually prune, and take care of them, and they do really well. Um, but Jacob was not that person. Esau was the one that could make it grow. He was not naturally a farmer. He, that was not his expertise. That's not what he did. But he got the blessing, and when Jacob, when when um, Isaac blessed him, he blessed him with fruitfulness. And suddenly he had a supernatural ability on. Fruitfulness. So he goes up to work for Laban, and everything he touches increases. And so Laban tries to trick him out of this and trick him out of that. And whatever he puts his hand to just flourishes. And in the end, he's had twelve, eventually he has twelve children. Twelve, well, twelve more than twelve children, twelve sons. And um and he brings them away from Laban, and he's in the land that Abraham has been promised, the promised land. But then he has his his second youngest son Joseph, who he's got a soft spot for because you know, he's, when, so the fact it says that Jacob loved him more than he, the brothers, which is probably not a good fathering sort of style, but it just it just happened. Gave him a special coat. coat um, he gave that because he gave that because there was a musical around the time called Joseph and his multicolored <laughs> coat, and he thought that's a good idea. I'll give him, based on the musical, he gave the coat to, Jose, um, to Joseph. I think that's how it worked. Um, an ancient Hebrew musical called, what's it called? Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Coat. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what, what they called it back then in the Hebrew. And um, anyway, he gave this coat to him, and the brothers were very jealous. They hated him because Dad loved him more. And um, yeah, I, I know what that's like. You know, <laughs> <laughs> which of my kids can understand this that when they they're like, they, they they all look and say, "Shucks!" <laughs> they all don't tell them, but they all think they're my favourite. All right, they each they Yeah, they all like. I don't want to. I don't want to. Pride stops me using saying that I am actually his favourite. Um. So, um, But they hated him. They were jealous of him. And then, to add to it, Joseph began to have these dreams, God-given dreams. He um, dreamt that the sheaves the, the, um, the of, of wheat that would bow down to him, the sun and the moon would bow down to him. You know, he, was getting, he was getting these visions that they were, his family, representing his family and his father and his mother are going to bow down to him. And the brothers loved this. They thought, that's just the most amazing thing. They said, let's put this on our vision board and get in agreement with you, Joseph. Now it says they hated him even the more. And even his dad is like, what are you, even us bowing down? What, what is this? But it says the sons hated him, but it says Jacob locked it away in his heart. Actually, Jacob sort of said, what is this? He, he actually says he put it away and be like what Mary did with, you know, with Jesus. He said, you know, she... He pondered these things. He, he took them. So Jacob actually, there's, there's something about this boy. <laughs> anyway, the, um, the other sons are all off looking after the sheep, and they've been a while, so the father sends Joseph off to look for them, and they say, here he comes. And you know what they called him? They said, here comes the dreamer. In fact, they call him the Baal dreamer, the master of dreams. That's actually what they, they call him, the Baal dreamer. Here comes the master of dreams. Let's kill him. That's sort of, you know, you know wow, great family. Um, and so they're going to kill him, but then one of them thinks, oh, I don't want to kill him. I'll, I'll, I'll set up this scheme. Why don't we um, put him in a pit and just put him in, a, you know, and we'll leave him there. And his plan was to come back later and rescue him. So rather than kill him, rescue him. But while they put him in the pit, but while this brother's away, a group of traders come through. And they said, oh, let's sell him. We might as well make some money out of this rather than just kill him. So they sell him into slavery. And the other, son come, the other brother comes back to rescue him, and he's gone. And he says, where is he? Oh, we, we sold him. We got money. Sold into slavery. It's like Jesus was sold. Joseph was sold. And so then they rip up the, um, the, the coat, cover it with blood, and take it back to the Jacob and say, oh, your son was dead. We, we think he's dead. We found this ripped up coat. Must be his, He must have died. So Jacob thinks he's dead. The brothers know the truth. And no one really knows what happens to Joseph except we follow the story because Joseph is taken to Egypt where he's sold into slavery, becomes a slave in a a, um, a ruler's house, and he's doing really well there. The anointing is on. Remember that that prosperity that was on um, Jacob that just makes things happen and and is a blessing? Well, now it's on Joseph. Joseph has got the anointing to flourish. Joseph's got that blessing that Caleb was talking about. You know, it was interesting, you know, Caleb was actually using that, those uh, scriptures, talking about, you know, that, that anointing for life to flow, even in the desert. Now it's on Joseph. They put him in Egypt, and they put him in Potiphar's house as a slave, and what happens? Living water begins to flow. Potiphar's house begins to do really, really well. And then the enemy thinks, well, let's try and, you know, we, I, tried, I tried to destroy this dream by getting the brothers to kill him. That didn't work. I'll try the ultimate dream-killing um, and this is true, this is, you know, like Balaam used this tactic when he couldn't, he couldn't stop the blessing of God on the people, children of Israel. So he told those who were trying to destroy Israel, don't try and destroy them from without, try and destroy them from within. Get them to fall into immorality. The immorality will suck the blessing right out. All right? If you can get... So Potiphar's wife tries to tempt, David, uh, David, tempt Joseph to get into immorality to commit adultery with her. What the brothers couldn't do through trying to kill him, if Joseph had given into that temptation, he would have ruined the dream from within. But praise God, he resisted. He said, there's no way I'm getting involved in this. And um, he ran off, and Potiphar's wife is pretty annoyed that she's been shunned like this, so she spins a story that when Potiphar comes home, she says, he tried to rape me. And so... Potiphar's furious and throws Joseph into prison. So he's being thrown into slavery, things flourish, things look like they're getting better, maybe this dream that I've got is going to come true after all, and bang, he's straight away. You know, like, like Caleb was saying a little bit earlier, you think you're doing well and then they fill in, the, fill in your wealth. You think you're doing good. You know, If you wanted a title for that, um, you could say, well, 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 <laughs> things are finally getting better. Um, yeah, but sometimes you know it, it just it looks like good, and then pff, looks like Joseph's doing well, and then they this happens, and he's thrown into prison, even further away from any chance of this dream. But what happens? He's got the anointing on him. There's something on him which causes flourishing, and in prison he starts to do really well. And in fact, he's in the end he's running the prison. He's running. He's, he's more. He's, he's the, the prisoner. The, the The person in charge of the prison finds that, hey, if I just give it over to Joseph, this place runs really well. So he's in prison and it's running really well. It's amazing. But he's in physically a place which is so far away from where God's promise for him is. Like God's promise is that he and his... and and, and the inheritance from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, now through Joseph and the other brothers, is to have this promised land, and it's to flourish, and we're to be there. And he says, I'm stuck down here in Egypt. I'm so far away from where God wants me, and yet even though I'm here, things are flourishing. You know, this is not about you being put into the most perfect place, and then you flourish. This is what I tell you. God, you know, when you get to heaven, yeah, we're all flourishing in heaven, but it's down here. God wants you to flourish. It's where you are here. God wants you to pray for the blessing of your city and say, well, I'm going to cause this area to flourish, even though it's not where I'm ultimately headed. You know, my, my citizenship's in heaven. But while I'm here, I'm going to cause this to flourish because that's just what God is doing in me. That's how it works. That's the, the plan. God says, I'm going to cause this to, to do well. But so he's in there. And um, eventually, I'm not going to go through this story because it's not about Joseph as such. Um, God supernaturally works it, so he's raised, um, taken out of prison and made prime minister of all of Egypt and oversees a a food storage program based on a prophetic dream that has been given that Joseph has interpreted that there's uh, years of famine coming. So they are to take the years of plenty, store up all this food, and then when the years of famine come, they will have enough. And in fact, Egypt flourishes through these years of famine while all the nations around just go into um, great hardship. And in fact, it even affects Jacob and his brothers and their family because they run out of food, and they have to come down to Egypt to try and get food. And lo and behold, God turns it around so that Joseph is the official that's dealing with them, and they don't recognize him because he's you know he's dead to them, and they don't expect him to be looking like an Egyptian sitting there you know, as the prime minister of Egypt. And so he goes, these are my brothers. And so he, you know... Spins it out. It's a good story. He does it really well. Doesn't doesn't reveal who he is straight away and everything. Eventually, he brings, he says, I'm your brother. And they're like, no. Whoa, no. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, no, it's our brother. Oh, no, it's our brother. You know, the brother we tried to kill, the one that we sold in slavery. And he says, you know, hey, what you meant for evil, God turned for good. God, God's worked this all out. So God has been good through this, even though you... We're not part of God's plan. He used what you were trying to do for evil. And that's one of my favorite scriptures. What was meant for evil, God has used for good. So many times I have seen situations feel that exactly. What was meant for evil? Well, because of the anointing of Joseph, the anointing of Isaac, the anointing of Jacob, the anointing of Abraham, the anointing that's come through Jesus, this turns for good. We get living water. You put us over here, you cover it, fill up all our wells. But I look down there, I've got living water here. Wherever you, that's, that's how it works with God. So now Joseph is, brings all his family down with Jacob. They all come down and they, they live there. And they're going to be there for 400 years before we have the story of them being brought out of Egypt. But there's a, while he's been in Egypt, he's, Joseph has got married and he's had two children. Manasseh and Ephraim. I don't know, again, if that's how you pronounce, but I like to say it. And I like to say Ephraim, because it sounds like I do know how it's pronounced. This sounds fancy. Manasseh and Ephraim. Can you say to the person Ephraim? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it sounds really cool. Ephraim. It's a good name, Ephraim. So Ephraim is the youngest of the young. You know, like um, there's... Twelve brothers with Joseph is one, so his dad is one of twelve, and then there are two sons that are born, and so there's Manasseh, who's the older son, and then Ephraim, so the youngest. So there's right down the end of this picking order, um, and Jacob is quite ancient now; he's about to die, and um, so he summons Joseph, and it looks like he hasn't actually met the children, the Manasseh and Ephraim, until this point. This is just one, you know. So let's read verse one. It came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. Let's do that again. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. (laughs) When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel, that's Jacob's other name, Israel, collected his strength and sat up in the bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, this is Jacob's saying, So he gathers himself. He's pretty weak, but he rises up. Something's going to come. He's going to, That blessing is now going to pour out of him. Um, in chapter 49 of Genesis, he actually blesses each of the 12 sons. But at the moment, he's going to speak to Joseph and more particularly the two sons of Joseph. And he said, Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at the Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples and give you this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. In other words, he said, I'm going to adopt them. He's literally adopting them in terms of the blessing. I'm bringing them into the blessing that I have. He said, "Um, They're mine. Uh, Ephraim, Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon. That's his oldest two kids. As, as, that's like they're you're my kids, they're going to get part of the inherit. They're going to get my inheritance. It's quite, he said, "But your offspring that have been born after them shall be yours." In other words, this is only a deal for your first two sons. If you have more children, they just come under the inheritance of Joseph and the children. You know, I'm not, they're not all going to get an equal part like these two. These two I'm going to adopt in. So it's a special once-in-a-lifetime deal. Not going to be repeated. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to have six more kids and they'll all get a part. No. He said, these two are going to come under my blessing. I'm going to, I'm going to bless them. Um, verse 7, now as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died. That was his wife, one of his wives, the one he really loved to my sorrow in the land of Canaan on the journey when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? So that's what makes me think, oh, he hasn't actually seen them. He said, Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. Bring them to me, please, so that I may bless them. All right, this is, now we're not gonna, this is not an end of life blessing. We're doing a beginning of life dedication. Um, But there's a same principle. There's something about speaking words and making declarations and bringing that which has brought up to this point and is now going to flow on here. This is the new generation picking up and taking what is on us. All right? Do you know what I mean? This is is the the anointing that we're enjoying being upon them. So this is why I want us to pay attention to how this happened, what was was done. And Joseph said to his father, verse 9, These are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, well, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now, the eyes of Israel were so dim from the age that he could not see. So he's old, he's struggling, he can't even see properly. Then Joseph brought them close to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. In other words, he said, I thought you were dead. And now, you know, (laughs) I never thought we'd get to this point. Not only seeing you, I'm seeing your kids. God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees Bowed with his face to the ground, and Joseph took them both. Ephraim with his right hand towards his left, Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right. That's getting a little bit confusing. All right, They're left and right, right and left. All right, so I want you to imagine. Um, actually, let's let's. Um, do you two, two, want to it? It be Manasseh and Ephraim? All right, come on, bring them up. Come on, girls. Come on, Manasseh and Ephraim. <laughs> the mum says, "Ha, serve you right." Come on, come on up here. Okay, and I'm going to be Jacob. So I, I'm I can hardly see. I'm old, just sitting up there. <laughs> That's me acting, all right. I'm I'm all, I'm all healthy. <laughs> No 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 everyone. No, get a mask on that man. You know. No, no, I'm I'm always, I was acting. I'm such a good actor, you might have thought that was really me being sick, but I'm not. I'm not sick. I'm just acting. And I can see you, even though I'm acting like where are they? I can see them. All right. So no one no one can say no one have prayer for me. Oh dear God, pastors needs prayer. You know, he can hardly see and he's sick. <laughs> oh, pastors in trouble. I'm acting. I'm Jacob. I'm not in bed because that would be stupid. Like this is a I'm just preaching. Yeah, you know, if I was really doing this, I'd be in bed. (coughs) I get up. All right. They bring him over. So, all right. Now you can be Manasseh because you're the older one, right? And that'll be easier. But you're not the older one, sort of. Yes. (laughs) Bit of a trickier. The taller one. one. So you can be the taller one. So people can can work out right. See. (laughs) So you're Ephraim, Ephraim, the younger one. And so in. The understanding that the the, the main part if you 're going to get the main blessing, you get the right hand all right right hand talks of strength, it talks about the, the, the you know significant place that 's why Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the father it 's the the ultimate place, the greatest strength. so what would normally happen is the oldest would get the biggest blessing in fact, they get a double inheritance when it comes to an actual inheritance, which means if you 've got seven children uh, and um you would actually divide your inheritance eight ways and the first child will get two parts and everyone else will get one part.
1: So...
0: <laughs> Just watch the... <laughs> All right. So, that's, so it's normally the the oldest child gets a special inheritance. They get a special blessing. The, and that's why Esau was called in to get the blessing and Jacob snuck in and got it. All right. So now, so right hand. so Joseph says, okay, He's trying to, he does the thumbs. Bring the older child onto, see, from Joseph's point of view, I've got to put him on my left side, so that's on Jacob's right side. I bring the younger one on my right side, because that's Jacob's left side. You know, can you see how he's worked it all out? Just, you know, can you read the Bible? Just, that's how he says. And so old Jacob goes, oh, they might not be able to see you. Come around here. <laughs> Praise him like this. And Joseph's like, well, oh, the Poor old guy, is so blind, he can't even <laughs> see where the kids are. And he's like, uh, and, and Joseph, oh, dad, 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 you've got him back to front. So he tries to get his hand, the right hand, he's trying to get the right hand and put it over here. And Jacob's I like, might be old, might be sick, but you're not moving my hand. And he holds it there. He said, this is not this is not an accident. This is not me being so blind I can't see. He actually crosses over and does a blessing which is opposite to what they intended. All right, give them a hand. See, so you got the blessing in the end. So that was why it was good. Um, Can I have my Bible back, please? So Joseph brought them close and kissed them, embraced them. Um, Let's read this. Verse 14, Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although to Manasseh was the firstborn. And blessed jo- and he blessed Joseph. And he said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. Bless the lads. He was obviously English soccer player. Bless the lads. If it was strain, it would be blessed the boys. (laughs) And may my name live on on them, and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Let's hear that, that fruitfulness. And Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head. This pleased him, and he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he shall also be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, shall pronounce blessings, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And notice that the younger was mentioned before the older, which was significant. Now, um, what's all this got to do with the dedication? First of all, if you look in verse 15, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. The God is, But then it says, the God has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Um, verse 3, go back there. It says, Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me. How many know when your grandfather is Abraham, you might be pretty excited about that. <laughs> Abraham had got the blessing before anyone. There was no blessing before Abraham. He, he was the one that believed in the Lord. Lord. It says, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness, and he spoke, and he became a part of a covenant blessing. There was no Israel before. Abraham was it. it was you know it was, That was where it all started. But Jacob, even though that was only his grandfather, and that was where all the blessing started, He didn't say, God who appeared to my grandfather, God who shared with my grandfather, God who gave the blessing to my grandfather, God who gave the... He said, you know what? He might have blessed my grandfather, and he might have blessed Isaac, but it was the God who appeared to me. The God who appeared to me. We do not give grandfatherly blessings on anybody in the body of Christ. In other words, you all... Have your own relationship with God. We are not coming to Zari and saying, Zari, you are to pick up the blessing we have and through us, you will then live this out. We are dedicating her to her own connection to this. Does that make sense? We are not her connection to the blessing. We are the ones that are releasing it like Jacob did. We are the ones blessing her with it, but we are not her connection. Everybody comes into their own connection. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. We do not that's not how we flow. That's not how we run. So we don't, we don't say, all our kids, you know, you're amazing kids because we as you know your parents have such a relationship with God. I expect every one of our children to develop a relationship with God that pushes and takes further what I have experienced. I want them to be like Jacob said, the God who appeared to me. Amen. Okay, he recognized Abraham. It's not like, and it's not the rudeness and the, um, the arrogance that says, I don't care what the oldies have done. You know, it's all about us, this generation. He says it's the Abraham. He recognizes the history. He knows the covenant history, He knows how it got there. But there's a difference between sort of, you know, falling into it. We're just, we're just three generations on from when it all started. And being so arrogant as to think that we are it and that we didn't have people that went before us that paved the way and and (laughs) paid the cost for us to enjoy what we enjoy today and push through barriers and so we can be part of what we are doing and what we are experiencing. And so this is not a... um, The younger generation is the only generation. That's anathema. That that doesn't make any sense. God's like, I don't even... That's not my way of thinking. But neither is... People that are honoring a blessing and honoring um, a, a, a heritage that is, was someone else's and we are now just carrying it on. That's not what God wants. He wants every generation to be find that a living for themselves um, heritage. He wants us all. So we are praying for Zari and we, we're setting her and we're saying we're bringing the, But you know what? Zari is going to have her own I met the God Amen. encounter. She's going to have her own time. when, And, I, and I'm interested, you know, like um, you know, there, there comes a, a time, I think, when everybody, I, and it was sort of my experience. I was in church because of my mom, but I had my own walk with God. But there came a time when I just had to be, I had to find, it's, it's me and God time, do you know what I mean? It's me and God, and we, you know, strip everything else off. I have to work out. Who am I, and who, what am I going to follow God? Is this going to be my commitment? This is what I'm going to do. And I think everybody has to come to that, you know, and especially people that grow up in the church because they can sort of be there around it, but you've got to come to the point, no, no, this is you and God, and you and God have got to have a serious eye to eye, and this is my calling on you, and this is what I'm doing. So we're praying, and we thank God, and I praise God that Caleb is not bringing um, Zari, because of, oh, I, I've I've got this inherited, you know, I've got this blessing of the Lord and I've passed it on to Caleb. No, no, it's all fresh every generation. He's standing here. And in fact, he stands in this area. It's he stands side by side with me. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, that that's why people get they 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 get all hung up over um, you know, submission and things like that, um, thinking it's all about who your value and who you are. Um, Christine and I are in a marriage relationship. She submits to me in our marriage relationship, but I submit to her as a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are like, how can you do that? Oh, because that's a different relationship. Her relationship with God is not through me. She has her own call. And Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, actually says um, the chapter before, submit to one another, uh, sorry, submit to um, wives, submit to your husbands, it actually says, submit to each other in the love of Christ, talking about the relationship of the body of Christ. And so I actually, I, we, we have a relationship where I, I don't see Christine as under me. We are side by side as believers. It's only in our marriage relationship that we have a working relationship. And so with Caleb, Caleb is my son, so he submits to me as he, I'm the dad, the son. But when it comes to this, he is not here as my son. He is, my, he is here as my equal with a walking relationship with God and now I am joining him as someone saying, now you as the dad have an authority over this child and I'm joining you. But I'm not doing it as the grandfather down. I'm doing it from sideways. Caleb's Caleb's caught it. Caleb's got it. And the one thing I, I encourage everyone here, you've all got to catch it. Amen. Do you know what I mean? The anointing... This 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 anointing to flourish and prosper, we we I appreciate we have we have the we have as a church connected ourselves spiritually in covenant relationship with the heritage of faith and with Brother Jerry and and his ministry and that means that the, his anointing and the grace that's on him flows freely in us. But the idea is we don't just live because of that grace flowing here. It means we catch it and we. It becomes ours, and we minister it, and we bring it to our situation. And I'm not relying, this is not something that's coming secondhand. It becomes ours. It opens the door to us. And so just the same way as Isaac had it, Jacob had it, Joseph had it. And do you know what Ephraim means? Ephraim. What a name. Ephraim. Sounds Italian. Um um that's this it's Genesis chapter forty one, verse, verse fifty one. Verse fifty says, Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, who was Senath, the daughter of Potiphar, Potiphar, priest of on board to him. And Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. In other words, I've forgiven them all. I'm walking in freedom. Another, and, and then he said he named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. In other words, even though this land is a land of slavery and affliction, God has made me fruitful here. God, God has given me... A garden in the desert. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm naming this child Ephraim, which literally sort of means garden in desert. Garden in desert. I love the fact that names were given to show what God was doing, to give a sense and understanding of God's purpose and plan. You might not know what your name is. You say, well, I don't think my parents named me with any prophetic. Well, you just sort of say sometimes, you know, you just say, you know what? Even though they didn't mean it, I'm gonna just say, God, what did you do? what were you doing even though they didn't mean it? All our children were given names on purpose. But maybe you weren't given a name on purpose. And I don't want you to think, Oh, I think I was named after my, you know, third uncle, twice removed. Um you know, I, I was actually named after my grandfather. But I was named Robert. Someone might know how many know I was not called Peter when I was born? Yeah, come here. I was, I was named Robert Peter. So, you know, it's one of those ones where your second name was what everyone called you, but I, I was my first name. It just became so confusing, though, when I'd go to the bank and try and open bank accounts and all the rest. When I went overseas, it almost caused me to get in trouble when I overseas because your passport's in the name of Robert Peter Lewis, and I was standing at the counter, and I turned to the side, and they say, Robert, and I never turned. They said, Robert, Robert Lewis, and I, I didn't recognize the name, And um, they almost thought I was on a false passport (laughs) because I didn't recognize my name being called. And then when I came to get married, I discovered that I'd have to get married as Robert Peter Faulkner, which isn't Lewis, which is my full name, Robert Peter. And I'm like, I don't want Robert marrying Christine. I don't even know who this Robert is. (laughs) I don't want no Robert marrying my my wife. She's mine. (laughs) So I um, actually got my name legally changed to Peter Robert Lewis. So that, um, it would, you know, so all the bank accounts and everything else just got into alignment, and um, but yeah, so you know, so names can have all sorts of reasons, and I'm just saying, you know, you might not, you might not have a prophet turn up and say your name is such and such. But you know what? I think there's a sense of the sovereignty of God and the grace of God that he can take a name. He can also bring a nuance and a change to names. You know, Look at how many times in the Bible God changed names and said, you were this, but I'm going to make you this. He brings a new sense to it. Um, And as part of our preparation that we're going to pray and dedicate Zari, I wanted Caleb to come and share what the name Zari means so we can get in agreement and say, "I, I understand that. Because I think there's some responsibilities here. Okay, this is what I'm seeing. Zari has a purpose and a calling on her life, and it's very particular. I think that's true because you can see when Jacob went to pray, he didn't sort of say, pull out the prayer for the grandkids. Prayer for grandkids. I pray for, insert name here, Manasseh, <laughs> da 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 da, da, da. I pray for Fray M. da know it's like it wasn't it was it was you know a generic I just pray for them. When he went to pray for them, God said this prayer goes here and this prayer goes here. It's really it's not just anybody. And when we pray, Zari will not get the dedication prayer that everybody gets. She'll get her dedication prayer. Because we'll believe for a prophetic flow. We'll believe that God will give us understanding and direction. We will not just say now, sometimes the things that we say might sound generic. We declare she's blessed. And you think, oh, that's what you say over everybody. But you know what? We're not just saying it over. Her. It's being said because she will fall under the blessing and the covering that covers a lot of things. But that's not just a generic thing, it's actually prophetic. Hallelujah. I want you to see. So I want us to be able to begin to get that mindset and that flow. I want us to recognize, what I'm recognizing is everybody has a destiny and everyone has a calling. And it becomes it starts to show itself. It starts to, to rise up. And, you know, and um, we see that we're praying for people and all of a sudden, hey, I see this in you. I see that God has plans for people. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God just doesn't go, oh, you can have anything. He says, this sits on you. There's a blessing for you. This is a purpose for you. Number two, so we recognize what we're doing is is got a prophetic edge that we are not just giving a generic blessing to everybody. We are blessing Zari into her calling. We are recognizing that we are bringing... And expecting Zari to walk into her own blessing and walk with God. But as the people of God, we're going to inc- we're going to surround her with that. We're going to lead her, we're going to guide her, we're going to give her instructions in that. I'm going to charge Caleb and Kyra. They've got the responsibility of introducing and leading her to a place where she can get a revelation of Jesus herself. That's a big revelation. That's a big responsibility. But how many know this is how the body of Christ works? This doesn't become them. We all then become around them. and becomes our responsibility as well to uphold their hands. All, they might have the ultimate responsibility, but then we stand with them and everything we can do and every way we're doing. We are now committing. We are committing to seeing Zari fulfill the calling that's on her life. And whatever that means and whatever that need, needs doing, um, we will surround and help and, and enable her with that. We're going to believe for that so there's a level of responsibility on all of us this is a gift it's exciting but it's also God expects us to to use this and so we are expecting Zari to carry that Ephraim fruitfulness and, and life wherever she goes Caleb do you want to come up and just share um, together yes you can you can bring her bring Captain Feathersword up with you who's been joined by a, a green monkey and juggling balls. Sorry? A chimpanzee? Sorry, a green chimpanzee with juggling balls. <laughs> Just never know what you're going to get, do you? Yeah. Can you share with us um, what it was that Lord put on your and Kyra's heart when you were um, choosing a name for Zari? And am I guessing that Getting desperate, gone through the book. We got to the Zeds. Still haven't got one. <laughs> you know, it was like, we better we better find one soon.
2: Yeah, and then James and took Zoe, and we're like, oh, nuts, we're starting. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, um, yeah, we, we I, I love what you shared. And when we, in naming, you know, both the kids, we prayed a lot, um, you know, not just picking names that we thought sounded cool, but that were, you know, we wanted it to be prophetic, and we prayed a lot um, about that. And we we really loved the name Zari, and it meant um, it means uh, it's come to mean the word beautiful, effectively. But its origin it was from the word golden or golden dawn. Um, and there's a scripture in Isaiah fifty-eight which we um, really held close with that, where it talks about um, God's glory coming like the golden dawn of, of sunrise. Oh, and um, right. and so Zari effectively means um, came came from the word golden dawn to mean golden or beautiful. Um, or something in that space and um, when we were we'd been praying obviously right through the process about her name and we 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 kept sort of coming back to Zari but we're just trying to you know settle that that was what God was saying and um, I was thinking about that scripture a lot and it was um, Sunday morning just before she was born and all the ladies came and prayed for Kyra and for Zari but they didn't know (laughs) who Zari was and um, and Judith actually spoke a word over her and she said um, that she'll be a child of God's glory. And that that would be, and I can't remember the exact wording, but she said specifically that that God's glory and the light emanating of God's glory will be, just, you know, seen in her. And significant. And Kai and I both sort of looked at each other and were like, "Yep, yeah, Zari." <laughs> That's um. So that was that was very significant for us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the stage is yours, young yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Well, hallelujah! Look at the. anything that, Sorry. Yeah was that um when we were researching the name it said it also come um had roots in the the name azariah um which means princess Mm. so um zari was a shortened version of of that as well yeah (laughs) that's alright. right so our little princess who is a bringer of the golden dawn the glory of god and um Sombre moment. <laughs> Everyone's trying not to laugh too much. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, after this dedication, we're going to pray for the chimpanzee and uh, <laughs> and um, launch Captain Feathers towards the boat, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> quite a family gathering today. Um, no, so I. Um, is it easy for you guys to come down? Then people can gather around yeah. if you can come down here. I want us to gather around and, and just. <clears throat> And pray, and then um, we, I want us to, to to pray. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to get us to pray first. This is what I felt, and then Caleb to do the final prayer of dedication because I recognize as the, the 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 father, the husband, the head of the home. Um, that's where the responsibility <laughs> sits, the head, the um, strongest, and um, and then but everybody in from Kyra and, and even Levi has a responsibility to, to work and to help bring that to pass. Then all us as, as the body of Christ, it's all part of our responsibility. But often, you know, you know when Adam and Eve, and Eve sort of started the process and you know got the, the sin happening in the garden, when they were hiding, God's walked in the garden and he said, Adam, where are you? He didn't actually ask for Eve, even though she'd started. He said, Adam, I want to talk to you. And Adam, in his great, he said, it was the woman you gave me. <laughs> and she goes, oh, it was the snake, you know. Everybody just hand pass it on. But but God actually just, he, he ignored what had happened and followed the level of responsibility. All right? I just want you to, if families and fathers particularly, I don't care who institute, you know, gets things started. I don't care where the problem is. He comes for you first, Dads. All right, and that's we, we. There's a grace in us to be able to deal with that and do with that. So yeah, I, I I appreciate that. That's a it's it's sombering and sobering, but it's um, but it, it's there's a grace in it because the God's in it. Okay, so we're going to pray. So I want you, the church, to come and gather around. Going to pray for Zari, um, and then we'll finish with Caleb um, praying over her and dedicating it, committing her to the Lord setting her on the path. Amen. Hallelujah. You're full of, full of life. Hallelujah. I appreciate what, what Caleb shared, even in the, um, in, the, in the offering message. There's rivers of life. You find rivers of life wherever you go. You're a bringer of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, one thing that Lord showed me as I was praying, I said, I saw Zari, and the Lord said, she's a gift. Oh, he's a gift to the church yes, hallelujah hallelujah that, that's he's hallelujah not and that's you know body of christ but it was actually to the church and when the church i know it doesn't mean this church here breakthrough this local church zari you are a gift to the church and we receive you and we say thank you lord that you're going to use zari to be a blessing, to sustain, to strengthen, to heal, to restore churches in Jesus' name. You are there to hold them and and encourage them, to prophesy to them, to stand with them, to enable them to, Lord, be strong through times of trial. I thank you, Lord, for your gift that you've given us. A blessing, a strength, Lord, to churches in Jesus' name. I bless you, Zari. I thank you that you're a bringer of glory. You're a bringer of life. I thank you wherever you set your foot, we declare living waters flow. We declare that whatever you put your hand to prospers, I thank you, whatever you do, Lord, has great, has great productivity, has great f- uh, fruitfulness in Jesus' name. I bless you. And therefore, I surround you with health and strength for all your days. I declare you are strong until Jesus comes. You are strong until Jesus comes. Hallelujah. And if he hasn't come by the time you've finished your days, you will finish your race strong. In Jesus' name. You will be blessed, led, guided, directed by the Lord. He has a plan for you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He's always with you. And we are, we are declaring that He will work in you such a work that you will be a great blessing to His church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. 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 Anyone else has something the Lord wants to pray on? super kids the word that kept coming to my heart when we're praying for her was the word miracles so i just declare miracles over her lord that she is known for the glory she is lord miracles flow through her hands miracles In the name of Jesus, Lord, come from her in Jesus' name. She is a carrier of your miracle power, Lord, and her life is an example of your miracle power. Already we've seen your miracle um, work in her, Lord, and I thank you, God, her life will be known for that in a sign and a testimony, God. Lord, the miracles will not only be known in her, but through her, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Caleb.
2: Why don't you pray over Zari? Well, Lord, we do. We thank you so much on behalf of our family, our wider church family. Lord, we thank you for the gift of, of Zari and this beautiful life, and we thank you for the the honor and the joy of raising her as as a part of our family and the. We thank you so much for your grace, for the responsibility that that is. And we know, we declare, Azari, we speak your blessing. And Lord, we declare, Azari, you be blessed in Jesus' name. Lord, I declare she is blessed all her days, from from the very beginning of her life all the way through. We declare she is a child of your glory. Lord, That she is marked by the, the radiant glory of God. That she is a, that golden dawn is what's seen in her. And through her, I thank you, use her hands, you use her voice to do great things for your kingdom. And Lord, I thank you that she be, she is marked by your favor, Lord. All the days of her life, from the from the very beginning all the way through, Lord. She is she's marked known by your favor Amen. and your blessing upon her. Lord, we thank you for the great things we that you have in store for her. And we as a family, we commit her, uh, Lord, up to you, and we um, we dedicate her life to, to your kingdom and for your your fruitful work and that all that you've got to do um, in her and through her, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. and wife, well, you just stand there, let's just stretch forth our hands, pray for Caleb and Kyra. Father, I thank you, we pray. Lord, we, we recognize the responsibility on them to train, equip, to be an example of all that they share. Lord, I thank you that everything they share will be first passed through the, the, um, uh, like the furnace of their own lives. <laughs> Lord, everything, everything they share and everything, Lord, that they are passing on has been worked and, and Lord, um, has been filtered through them and they've had to learn to live it and live it wholeheartedly and honestly and clearly. I thank you they are a blessing because they are passing on that which has become, Lord, um, refined and as good and as strong. Lord, I thank you they are passing on refined gold to both Lord um, Levi and Zari and Lord, to the body of Christ. But I thank you especially for their children in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, we set them and com- and stand with them in their responsibilities. Lord, to teach, to train. Lord, to provide, to care, to watch over. I thank you for to pray and intercede. I thank you, Lord. We declare that in each of these tasks, your grace will be great. And Lord, they will do it with a flourishing and a freedom. And none of these will be burdens, but they will simply be, Lord, a part of the, the, the testimony of Zari's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, well, now, Caleb's going to... So if you've succeeded, which you've all done dutifully anyway, um, ask Caleb to actually sing a song that he sa- he wrote for Levi's dedication. Did you write it for Levi's dedication or just around that time? bit of both. It was written for, you know, with, with um, through, um, Experience of seeing having Levi grow and seeing life through his eyes as a father. So, I wrote a song which he sang then at Levi's dedication. I've asked him to sing it again here because it's a pretty powerful song, and some of you might not have been here to enjoy that. So, um, Caleb, anything you want to share before you sing, but just how it came about?
2: Um, oh, yeah, basically what dad said this was a song that I um. I had in my heart to to put together for, for Levi's dedication, um, and I, you know it's an honour to do it for, for Zari as well. Um, the song's called "Size One Shoes," and it's about the the size one shoes. It's the concept of how um, well the, the first lyric in the song is. I say um, I knew that you cha- I knew that you would change my life, but I wasn't prepared for what you do to my heart. And it's um, it, it really becoming a dad and seeing him and now Zari uh, grow up. it it marked me and changed me. And um, watching the way that they embrace life um, is something that has inspired me to say not just, but for me, but for our family, for our wider family, um, to say let's not let that be something that's just ah, oh, isn't that cute? How the kids do that? Let's let's make that how we do life yeah. <laughs> as a family, yeah. um, living in our size one shoes, in the wonder and the the beauty of all that Jesus is and all that He's done, and. Um, yeah, Jesus said he, um, multiple times when he was on earth, he, there was multiple times where he said he wanted us to be like little children in the way that we come to him. And I think that's one of the things that the beautiful, unfiltered wonder with which Levi comes to us and embraces life and now singing Zari too. Um, I want that to be the way that, yeah. that I live and that we live. So, um, so it's a song called Size One Shoes and it's my, um, my prayer for, for us to – to live life in size 1 shoes <laughs> to live life with that that childlike wonder and faith so
1: changed my life, but I wasn't prepared for what you do to my heart, you stepped right in and stole it and took it. shoes seeing moments and colors everything's brand new i come living life for the first time the most beautiful thing is Joyful, wondrous pool You don't know it, but you changed my point of view So now I walk the world in size one shoes Seeing moments and colors And everything's brand new and I can live a life for the first time The most beautiful thing is The wonder in your eyes As I walk the world in size one shoes Making moments and memories Every day with you I've never laughed so hard in all my life The most beautiful thing is The wonder in your eyes shoes, there's one thing I pray, my one desire for you, that you be a child after his heart, let the steps that you take follow Jesus all your life, so as we walk the world in size one shoes, we'll make moments and memories
2: as a family
1: now with you, we're on the adventure of a life, a child never lose, the wandering your
0: that's actually a great lesson for all of us, isn't it? Just a, Levi the other day taught me how to eat. Cause seriously, like we, you know, some I, I realize I eat f- to enjoy it, but I—it's just everything's happening. But every now and again, just stop. I, I was talking to someone. I think I eat better than kings in the in the Middle Ages, in medieval. You know, seriously, what I'm eating would be better than the food that they would give kings centuries ago. I'm eating fresh pineapple, <laughs> food from all around the world. Flavors and spices that they wouldn't have had any access to. And it's just come to me, and I'm just sitting here in the warmth, a warm-up, nice and more comfortable. I'm eating like a king. And so I just like to stop and think, this is amazing. I'm eating food, spices, flavors. And I looked at Levi, and he was eating his bowl of yogurt. They just put yogurt in a bowl. And he got a spoon. And you know how to eat yogurt? You grab it. (laughs) Do a little dance. (laughs) Spoon just wanders around. It goes in the mouth. Then the spoon does a little jig. (laughs) Upside down, over around, either side. (laughs) The eyes are shut. (laughs) Spoon comes down. Let's do it again. (laughs) I've never seen someone just enjoy a mouthful, one mouthful of food so much. Just in his own world, just having a good time. Well, I think it, that's a good lesson to learn, just to stop and just enjoy things. Enjoy God, enjoy your family, enjoy just something. Enjoy the warm weather. You know? Even when it's cold, a bit of sunshine comes out, just sit, there, just sit there and look it up and say, this is normal. I appreciate it. The wonder, the fun, the joy of little moments. Just, I think it's a great song for reminding us that because it's, that's fine. Caitlin's got some um, announcements.